Hello, Food Chain. This is Sharon Chifton, and I'm a food tech junkie and innovation nerd who loves a good story. This podcast combines all of my favorite vices into a weekly deep dive about the problems our food system faces and the visionary people working on solutions. This week's guest is my friend, the one and only Gil Horsky, whose passion is building new realities that are good for people, kind to the planet, and deliciously fun. Gil is part of the founding team of Snack Futures, the venture and innovation hub of Mondelez International. Their mission is to create a vibrant ecosystem of partners to invent and make new venture investments in the next generation of entrepreneurs and snacks. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, Gil. How are you? I'm great, Sharon. Great being here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, you're very welcome. It's always a joy to speak to you. So obviously, um, this has been a tough year for, I would say, a tough couple of years for most of us. But um, one thing that uh, we keep seeing and I've kept seeing is great uh, news on Mondelez's side. And I just wanted to dive in and talk a little bit about what's going on in the snack world. So can you give us a little uh, bit of an overview of the work that you're doing right now? Sure. So I'm, um, yeah, as you mentioned, obviously, um, you know, COVID in the last um, year and a half has obviously been challenging for all of us uh, on a personal basis and obviously uh, from a health perspective, but I think for the food industry, um, it brought a lot of challenges, but also opportunities at the same time. And um, I think for us as, as, as a company, Mondelez, um, you know, first of all, people, you know, pe people snack, people were still snacking during COVID and uh, people were actually more at home than ever before. Um, and we're looking a lot of times for, for snacks for comfort, uh, to give them a good mood or a good feeling. Um, and I think we've seen actually um, quite a significant growth in most of the categories of, of snacking, less probably in the, in the category that are more impulse driven just because folks were visiting stores less. Now, specifically, you know, for, for our team, I'm part of, of the Snack Futures team in Mondelez. And Snack Futures is basically... It's an independent innovation and venture hub within Mondelez. We're a very small team, um, but we operate, we are part of the big Mondelez, but we also operate partially independently. And that's what makes our, our team so interesting. And we really have three pillars that we manage in our team. Um, the first one is, is the CVC, the corporate venture arm that makes mm -hmm. venture investments in startup companies. And we can talk about that later, what kind of companies. Yep. The second is, is what we call invent that we actually go ahead and invent new brands and new businesses for the company, mainly in the space of well-being premium snacks. And um, that's been an area that we've been very active in and probably one of the only food companies that, that has that model. And the third one, which is our, our newest addition to the team, is Colab, which is an acceleration program that we uh, bring startups. Uh, we, had, we just finished our first cohort in the US. Uh, we brought... Um, a variety of early stage snacking brands. Um, and we basically had an acceleration program with them, uh, matching them with different experts in the company, helping them uh, scale their business, giving them access to our partners, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so those are the three pillars that we manage in our team. Um, a lot of them are obviously very 
um, first of all, external focus. So we do a lot of the work with the outside world, with entrepreneurs and partners like yourselves and others. Mm -hmm. um, and the second is actually is the part that actually is kind of supposed to work on some of the more um, disruptive innovation outside of our key categories. Well, that's... Uh... Keeps you busy, but I know, uh, and I've been following Colab. We'll go. We'll dive into that in a little bit. But so, uh, speaking of startups, what is the? I mean, obviously, with these three pillars, startups are yeah. a big part of the strategy. When you look at them, um, how does a company like Mondelez look at? Uh, and think about these newborn companies in terms of, you know, the, the partnerships, what can come out of, of a collaboration between the two? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And it's, it's interesting how it's evolving both within Mondelez and in the broader industry. I would say that, you know, if, if we would have had this conversation, let's say, um, five, six years ago, most large food brand companies um, like Mondelez and some of its peer companies, were more internal focused and, and, and worked less with the outside startups. And a lot of it because, you know, first of all, there were less startups. Now we're mm -hmm. in the golden age of food tech startups. So there's <laughs> so many more than ever before, which is amazing. Yep. And the second reason is that a lot of the corporates, we didn't know how to work with startups. And I think it's a bit like, it's a bit of like a dating game. Both sides need to know how to date in a good way to make it a successful partnership. And I think both sides have, um, have made tremendous progress in the last few years. And for us in Mondelez specifically, actually startups play a very important role in our innovation uh, strategy um, because the, the pace of change is now so fast, right? In all aspects of both con changing consumer needs that are changing much faster than ever before and changes around, you know, digitizing, the supply chain in, in companies like ours, you know, the food and ag industries are relatively less digitized compared to other companies um, in other industries. And th then even just the global changes we've seen, like COVID, et cetera, you know, the move from retail to online, et cetera, are all happening very, very quickly. And I think we all understand that actually in order to address these changes in a successful way and meet our consumer needs, we need also to lean on external partners, startups and partnerships. So I think, first of all, it's a very um, important piece for us, both from meeting those needs. And I'll say, I'll even add a second piece is, it's important for us internally from a cultural shift and inspiration. When you work in an, a big company, and we do this a lot, we bring startups internally either to co-develop with them or even just mm -hmm. do an inspiration day or a demo day internally. And you would be amazed how it jazzes up our internal teams. And actually, we learn as much from the startups, if not more than what they learned from us, which is very, very important. And we hear more and more colleagues in the company saying, hey, I want to work. I, I want us to do, to do a project the same like a startup or an entrepreneur would do, which is exactly what we're trying to do on some of our initial initiatives. So, so I think to answer that question, yes, it's an important pillar for us. And then I think to answer the second part is, you know, how do you make a, a successful partnership? I think this is, you know, it has an art and a science uh, to, to it. I mean, I think that um, 
you know, it's super important for corporate to actually define in, in the beginning what we're looking for. And I think that's what we see a lot of times where you see success or not is if a company like ours goes ahead and from the beginning and defines a problem that it wants to be solved and what mm -hmm. it's looking for and then looking for the partners. When you start partnering with startups without a problem to be solved or challenge, it usually doesn't work out because you try to retrofit something. So I think that's critical. I think the second critical piece is actually having skin in the game in both sides. I'm a big believer that the, even if you are doing a small POC with a startup, we as a corporate need to pay for it, even if it's a small fee, because I think when a corporate pays, it shows it's almost like a seriousness fee. Yes. Um, and it, it, and it, it gives some commitment from both sides. If, if it's somebody in the team that is working with that startup and you actually need to process the payment and get approval from your manager, um, you take it more seriously, even if it's a small fee. So I'm a big believer in, in skin in the game. Um, and, you know, and the last thing is actually really defining what is the right collaboration model which yep. there are so many, you know, there's, you can do a JDA, you can do a venture investment, you can do a commercial agreement and finding the right agreement for both sides is very, very important. Absolutely. And I think you touched uh, on a very important point, right? Um, a lot of startups that I've spoken to sometimes as much as they want to do POCs, sometimes they're intimidated by companies. Um, yeah. Obviously you have this giant and you're almost afraid, right? Um, and to know that there are companies such as yours that want to have skin in the game, that from the beginning want that commitment, I think can take a little bit of that pressure off um, and, and sort of create a level playing field. I think that's amazing. Um, can you give us a few no, examples? No, and I think, Sharon, and yeah. I think, Sharon, you brought up a, a great point um, that is, um, it's interesting because the car corporate startup collaboration, um, I think you touched on it. You know, it, it's amazing because when you talk with the startups, there's an element of, they see so much opportunity, right, with yep. the big company. They say, you know, I'll work with you and you're going to scale but they see also rightfully from their yes. perspective and, you know, we try, they see a lot of threat yes. and downside and they're right. And, you know, there are downsides, you know, there are downsides that yes, there is an opportunity will help you scale and grow your business. But if you have a wrong partnership, um, you know, you can easily as a small startup that has two, five, six, maybe 10 people, 20 people, you have super limited resources. Yes. And if you start having a corporate that is going to start sucking you in into all over the place, a bunch of things, um, you can really spread yourself very thin, especially if they don't take it seriously. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a place where this, you know, I always encourage startups to also be very focused and say, listen, this is not in our core priority. And as much as you corporate are interested in this, we're not interested in that. And that's also a great answer. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I totally agree. I mean, for, for the startups, it's a big opportunity, but rightfully they do have some fears. And, and I think both sides need to find a way to mitigate these fears or risks. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think I'm a big supporter of open innovation in general. As you said, I in know. the past, we've gone more, you know, the internal R&D, and now you have all these solutions. So why not work with what's already available, right, and partner? And, you know, there are obviously, it's almost, uh, you have to find the right language, right, with startups that are so agile and corporates totally. that have so much structure, and timings are, you know, one is, you know, quick and the other yes. one is slow. Um, so even the fact that, you know, your division is a small team and tries to act more as a 
as a startup within Mondelez, if you will. Yep. But, you know, I think helps very much uh, the process. Uh, can you give us a, um, a few examples you know, of past collaborations that were successful and what were the determining factors for sure. that success? And, you know, yeah, you know, and you know, it's interesting because I know we touched at the beginning about the different maybe pillars in Snack Futures. Yes. And um, what's interesting, we see that sometimes there are different pillars touching a collaboration and it moves to a second one. And I'll explain yep. an, exa an example. So for example, um, we have we have made a year ago, this was public, um, a venture investment um, together with the Kitchen Hub from Israel in a company called Tor Food Tech. Mm -hmm. It's a very, it was a very early stage company. Um, that basically has developed uh, a technology that uses pressure and ultrasound to weld ingredients together with no sugary binders. Oh. Um, and you can put fruits, vegetables, uh, almost every ingredient, you can just almost combine them together and you don't need to have anything like, you know, the sugary binders we see mm -hmm. many times in snack bars or others. And it has an amazing taste profile and has a very uh, unique texture and feels like you're eating real food because it is real food. You're not adding anything in. And we made that in venture investment a year ago. And, um, you know, in addition to that venture investment, we, we got so excited from, from the technology and, you know, we, we got to really work very closely with entrepreneurs and build a lot of confidence and, and very strong relationships and trust between both sides um, that we actually decided also to move forward beyond the venture investment of being shareholders in the company, but actually to partner with them and um, use the their technology um, in one of our um, new products that we're launching. So we're just launching um, actually literally this week. <laughs> uh, so this is a great timing. Um, we are launching um, a new line under our Dirt Kitchen brand, which Dirt Kitchen Snacks is one of our incubated brands in our invent pillar. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, a, it's a brand we already launched over a year ago. And we're just introducing a new sub products line underneath it of called pressed bars that are going to be snack bars uh, that have mainly vegetables, but also the fruits and seeds and nuts using the tour technology. And those are going to be tested in around 50 stores in the LA area in California mm -hmm. and also online. And based on that, on the learnings of that, um, what we call transaction learning, that's how we call it when we do a test launch. Um, after three or four months, we'll decide, you know, what learnings we got and how we further scale it up, et cetera. So that's a really good example of moving from one kind of a relationship or one kind of a model, maybe, as we talked about before, to mm -hmm. a second one. Um, so, so that's been a really interesting one. Um, a second one is, you know, we're partnering in the U.S. with a company called Full Harvest. Yep. Um, Full Harvest is a startup that actually or, or they kind of grew. I don't know if there were any more a startup, but they basically enable um, large food companies to access uh, fruits and vegetables that would have gone to waste um, mm -hmm. and, to, and to use them, or some, some people like to call them imperfect produce. We call yep. them actually rescued vegetables. Okay. Uh, we put a more emotional uh, term to it, a bit like uh, pets or animals that you, know, you rescue them. So we're rescuing these vegetables. And again, we have launched um, several products under the Dirt Kitchen brand. Um, that is basically uh, in partnership with Full Harvest, we source vegetables that would have gone to waste. So these are some of the examples. We have more on the open innovation side as well, that sometimes we have challenges 
that we actually, first of all, we have a website out up. So if you go and you Google Mondelez collaboration or Mondelez open innovation, you can actually see the key things we're looking more are on our open innovation R&D platform. Mm -hmm. So collaboration with specific technologies and, and, and entrepreneurs and startups can submit us their ideas. Uh, but sometimes we also go out to the broader ecosystem and we say, hey, we have a very specific problem um, it's more technical R&D and we're looking for partners. And that approach also has worked very well. So again, variety of tools to partner. Which is uh, always good, especially nowadays. Yes. Um, Got to spread it out. Um, and totally. so right now, like, um, is there, a, if you can, because I'm, you know, um, sometimes uh, I understand that you can, but all this specific projects uh, that are going on today that you can talk about? Yeah, I mean, so I think, you know, the snack futures exist now uh, just over two years. And, you know, like a startup and uh, like entrepreneurs, we, we like to say, you know, we're constantly evolving and refining our models. So, um, and, you know, and it's, I, I think it's getting better over time, but we're also learning. So, you know, as I mentioned before, Colab was actually, mm -hmm. the acceleration part was not part of our first remit. We didn't start with it. And then at one point we said, you know what, we actually, first of all, we want to collaborate with startups in an earlier stage. And two, this could be, a, you know, something we give back to the ecosystem. Because again, going back to our previous kind of talking points is, you know, as a corporate, you really need to also build your reputation in the ecosystem. You yes. want startups to say, this is a corporate I want to partner with. Um, so Colab, in a way, is part of us giving back to the community, but also actually having a dialogue with very early startup entrepreneurs that later on might become some of our targets for venture investments. And maybe even a few years later down, if they really scale up to our M&A efforts. So, so that's one that kind of new things we've done. I think the second is we have launched several new brands under mm -hmm. our event pillar. So we have Dirt Kitchen that we spoke about and literally this week. So that's a big piece of news. We're launching uh, the press bars. But in addition, we have uh, Nokoi um, that is, is, a, is a brand that we have launched in France. And we have Kapow that actually um, it's smoothie balls. And we have some other products in the pipeline that are, are using all the different elements of the cacao pod. So it also mm -hmm. has a very strong sustainability aspect to it. And all these brands at the moment were scaling up. So we, we tested them, we're incubating them, and now further we're scaling them up in, in our approach that we call transaction learning, that we launch something in three months, we get the learnings, and then we decide if what changes we want to do and how we scale it up. And we do it all externally to the model of the company. So we use outside co-packers, outside distributors. That enables us to move very fast. We're able usually from within nine to 12 months from the day we kick off a project on a, one of the pillars we want to work on, we're able to be in the marketplace, which is very, very fast in the food industry for a completely new brand, technology, uh, and product line. And we also have some new further propositions in the pipeline. I can't tell you more about them. You'll <laughs> need to wait a few more weeks and months, but I promise I'll let you know immediately when they come and even send you some samples. Wonderful. And you know, and, you know, we had some also new things that happened this year, which, you know, as I talked earlier about blurring the lines between the different models. So actually one of our first venture investments, which was mm -hmm. in a company called Hugh Kitchen, which I think you're also familiar with, yep. which is an amazing brand from New York City originally. Um, we actually invested in them two years ago. And actually earlier this year, we bought them. So you could see how 
things are moving from different pillars, moving from venture to M&A, and as we spoke about earlier, from venture to commercializing. So I think you're going to see more and more of these um, different uh, models blurring the lines um, and potentially even new ones. Wonderful. So let's um, dive into a little bit on, on the pillars that we sort of um, talked about. Uh, yeah. Colab, obviously, this was the first year of the accelerator. It just recently, uh, the program recently ended. I know you had some amazing startups. Um, what's the overall feeling um, on the program where you... Um, you know, what, what's new with Colab, I guess, because, uh, yeah. you know, after a year of, of the program, I'm sure you have some insights. Yeah, so it's a great question. You know, when we, um, as I mentioned, Colab was a new addition to, to, the, to, some, to kind of one of our pillars under Snap Futures. And it's interesting, you know, when we spoke about Colab, um, you know, ex accelerator programs are not new. I mean, right, they exist for a long yeah. time. They, a lot of them were, there were, you know, peaks and downs and a lot of corporates had acceleration programs and they stopped them, etc. And, you know, we had that discussion internally. Are we late to the game? Do we have anything new to bring? Um, is this really needed in the marketplace? And I think we came to the conclusion that yes, interestingly enough, because we felt you know, there's a lot of, first of all, there are a lot of programs that are very built at the end of the day on some kind of significant incentive to the organizer, which is usually financial, which is fine. You know, you enter the program and, you know, we get percent of equity or et cetera, yes. et cetera. But we, we actually wanted to create a program, as I mentioned earlier, that doesn't have any strings attached. That is actually first and foremost, helping those companies that are all in the areas which we have interest, which are in broader well-being snacks. So, you know, we're the largest snacking company in the world. It's an area we're very interested in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it enables us to actually also even just get a peek to the future because yes. a lot of these early stage companies are working on future trends and more niche categories or segments. And we all know that sometimes these niche category and segments very quickly, you know, the best example is plant-based become yeah. mega, mega categories. And this is happening faster than ever these days. So actually it's a great way for us to have a peek and um, interact with entrepreneurs, help them inspire us. And finally, as I mentioned, becoming a real pipeline for us, a pipeline for companies. And, you know, if you build a relationship and we see it already now, you know, a lot of them are companies that, you know, are basically saying, hey, we would love to collaborate with you further. We, we know you, we build a relationship. If we ever fundraise, you know, you'll be the first fall call we make or if we ever want to collaborate with a big company. So overall, we are actually very happy with their program. It met all these objectives. And I think the most important feedback is obviously from the entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs um, overall were very positive and got a lot out of the program. They each got a mentor. Um, and a buddy, and they got access to our broader network of uh, VC partners, agency partners, uh, et cetera. And the interesting thing, which is something you can never really, um, you know, that's something that you can never really plan for, but you always hope that would happen. Actually, a, a community was kind of developed around this. So actually, all the entrepreneurs have fantastic relationships between them. 
they joke, they have their own stories from the program. They spend a lot of time. Um, it was all unfortunately virtual be mm -hmm. because of COVID. We were able to have one physical meeting in Chicago, which was amazing, but they all got to know each other and they almost have a support network because as you know, being an entrepreneur is lonely and very difficult at times. So yeah. they really have a support network and that's something amazing that we always hope would happen and happen. Um, but that being said, you know, it's the first program we made. And of course, some things can be, you know, further refined. And I think we're definitely committed to having it again. And I think in the next one, we'll for sure implement it. So I think overall, we are very positive. And also, um, the Mandelis overall team was very, very happy with the program. Wonderful. Well, you know that I, I love the Snack Futures team. We love you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no>. um, so, <clears throat> I mean, thinking about you know creating new pathways towards innovation you know um from your experience in mondelez but for the food industry in general um is there anything that we can learn from other industries or what can you know what are the learnings that we've had till now to that we should implement towards a, i would say a more sustainable food future overall yeah, no, I love this question because I'm, um, first of all, I'm, you know, as an innovation person in heart and in, in a lot of what I do in the day to day, I'm a huge believer in, first of all, always getting inspiration from other categories. I think that's mm -hmm. a must in any executive's job and for sure anybody does innovation, whatever industry you are, because there's so much um, cross-pollination and yep. influence from one category and industry to the other. And I know you're sitting in the, you know, in Italy, in the capital of, of, of fashion of the world. Um, and, you know, and we all, I always talk about the fashion industry, you know, you always look at the fashion industry and you see the, the you know, every year has kind of the hottest uh, color of the yes. year. And, you know, and guess what, you know, 12 months later, you see all the food packages all using that color as well, you know, and we've seen this again and again. So, you know, the influences from one category to another are, are huge uh, and, and are super important, both from a trend perspective, but I think specifically from an innovation perspective to addressing some of the bigger challenges we have, um, I actually think there's a lot we can learn and we are already doing it. So first of all, or trying at least. So, you know, we talked a bit about what we do in Snack Futures on the event side, for example, that yeah. we, we try to be agile and, and build these, um, these minimal viable propositions, or sometimes we like to call them instead of an MVP, MLP, which is a minimal uh, lovable proposition or product. Um, and, you know, a lot of that concept obviously came from the tech world, right? I mean, you know, in the digital world, it's very easy to put something out there. And, you know, a lot of websites test different, they do A-B testing, and they put different uh, concepts out there and see how much interaction they have with consumers online. And within a day or two, they decide if they move forward. Obviously, we're in the physical world mainly, so it's a bit harder and takes longer. But that concept of agile testing and putting an MVP out there is something that I think the food industry as a whole is doing more and more. And I think a lot of the inspiration is coming from the tech world. I think other areas which you see influence is interesting. For example, you know, I don't know how much you know, but like in the food, you know, the R&D process in the food mm -hmm. industry, historically, every time you would change something in a product, you know, if you would go and take your, you know, your cookie or chocolate brand and you would change the amount of fiber or sugar in it or, or even change just the balance between the whole grains to the, to the chocolate 
um, you would obviously need to create prototypes and you yes. would need to test them in sensory testing. Now, guess what? Every time you do a little change, that takes between three to six months just the damn testing because you need to go to the pilot plant to make the product, you need to micro test it, et cetera. And actually, one of the things that we're doing more and more, and also some of our peer companies, is actually learning from the car industry. For example, in the car industry, they moved already a long time ago to this whole concept of modeling and simulation to reduce development times because they need to every year bring new car models, a bunch of new car models. They need to put endless amount of testing on them, right? From safety to usability, et cetera. And a lot of them, they actually do it digitally. They basically model the changes and do the tests online and, and get kind of get a data through AI and machine learning, et cetera to kind of get a good read and they minimize the amount of physical prototypes they need to create. And actually you're seeing this happening more and more in the food industry, both from an R&D perspective in market research and sensory testing that we are actually, instead of creating the prototype and giving it to consumers to taste and trying to project, you know, to see what they say, you actually have enough historical data and enough, um, know-how that a lot of times you can actually stim, you know, do a modeling and simulation without actually creating those products. And I think that's a really interesting area that really enables you to be much more agile and, and kind of develop products much faster. And you know, the last one is just as an example, I know we briefly spoke about the fashion industry mm -hmm. is you know, the fashion industry is an industry that is probably the best one in the world and having super short development times, right? Because your yep. season is so short, you need to really plan your inventories damn right because you don't want to have all these clothes left at the end of the season and you need to have a very efficient supply chain and i think that's a really interesting industry that also sometimes in the food industry we talk about you know how can we how can we actually mimic that kind of super fast agile uh, demand planning supply chain and actually development time so these are some of the examples i think there are more and um and i think you're gonna see, we're gonna see more and more learnings from coming from other industries and the last thing i'll add on that is also you know, you're seeing some new interesting innovation models happening in other industries. For example, in the tech world, this whole concept of entrepreneur in resident, that yep. you bring somebody that maybe sold a company uh, or is a very kind of entrepreneurial person and you bring him into the company, if it's Google, that Google does it or, you know, others, and you basically let him or her go ahead and, and build a new company for you. And it's somebody external. So it's a bit like what we do with the event side, but actually it would actually mean we would bring somebody from the outside and tell him or her, you know, hey, you have six months to build the business uh, and you kind of have a clean, you know, clean slate to decide whatever it is in our broader world. So I don't, I didn't see that yet happening in food, but, you know, I think it's a question of time until we'll see some of these even more interesting um, models coming into the food industry. Yeah, there's been, I would say, even um, just from you know, five years ago, right? When we were just talking about accelerators and POCs. Yes. Now you have venture studio models and as you said, entrepreneur in residence. I think there's new ways of, um, of really trying to take ideas and shape them and even go and create solutions for a specific challenge, right? Uh, that maybe not outsourced with a startup that is already there, but to create something for the purpose of really solving problems. And, and there's so much more of that, right? Innovation is never, uh, never still, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and we've seen so many different ways um, popping up that I think are creating um, 
you know, a right way to collaborate, you know, uh, on a totally. much broader sense. Uh, and still, you see some solutions um, that are made for totally different industries. And, you know, you just have to readjust maybe a few things and you can adapt it to, to many others. Um, totally agree. Totally agree. You know, at the end of the day, we're all sort of trying to, you know, in our own little way, um, you know, think about the three P's, right? People, planet, and profit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, no, and I think it's a great point you're raising because, you know, the, you know, and we talk a lot about this, even in the competitive setting, you know, the, the magnitude of the challenges in our industry now, right? Yeah. Feeding the growing population, like you said, you know, the planet, sustainability, removal of plastics, you know, that's a great yes. example. All the big companies are committed to it, but despite our size, you know, yes, we're all multi-billion dollar companies. None of us can do this alone. No. You need to actually partner with your competitors, right? Which is yes. something that uh, historically you'd have thought you'll never do it. But guess what? We're all working together on this because we know we'll never do this alone. You need to partner with startups, new technologies, with government, nonprofits. So I think some of these bigger challenges, and I think everybody obviously is becoming much more aware and committed to them than ever before in, in COVID. And even just this last summer, right? We've all seen some of the planetary effects we're seeing throughout hmm. different countries in the world. Um, I think is this understanding that, yes, we all need to work on this together. Yes, we have viable businesses. We need to grow the businesses. Uh, but at the same time, we have very significant uh, commitments to our consumers, to the communities we live, to the planet we're part of. So I think this overall collaboration model yes. um, is just going to become significantly uh, a bigger part of all the companies. And by the way, like you said, rightfully, it's going to create a lot of new, new business models and, and collaboration models and, yes. and innovation models. And I think it's going to be really interesting to have this conversation again, let's say in two years and see what's new in all these models. So absolutely. I think, uh, at least for me, in my own little way, I'm looking at regenerative business models and collaborative models uh, for myself, right? And for yes. others, just because um, at the end of the day, doing it alone um, hasn't really helped us much, right? Uh, especially yeah. in, in the bigger sense. But um, uh, and then on a more light on a lighter note, um, since you have the Oreo cookie store, uh, are, you <laughs> do, are you going to do a Mikado store? That I, <laughs> I don't know. By the way, did you see our new Oreos? Um, we just did. I don't know if you saw. I'll send you later on. We, we just did a partnership with Pokemon. I don't know if you saw. Uh, my, my, I, my kids are still young, so they still get excited about it. So I you, get excited. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so th so there there's a lot of excitement about those. I had already a bunch of people telling me if they can get it through me. Um, so um, yeah, I, you know it's a great idea. I'm actually also a big fan of Mikado, by the way. I think it's an amazing product. <laughs> so we'll, we'll take that feedback in. We listen to every consumer, so we'll, I'll, I'll share it with the broader team. There you go. I'm I'm a big Oreo fan as well. I must say, there's not many products. Oh. I shouldn't say this, right? We're talking about sustainable food, but you yeah, can't, yeah. I can't live without chocolate and I can't live without snacks, you know? Yeah, they, I mean, I think as long as you eat them in a moderate way, right? I mean, they, they give you, you know, they kind of, they put a smile on our face and, Indeed. Um, you know, so it's part of what we need in life, especially these days. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Amazing. 
Um, is there anything else that we uh, that you'd like to tell us about, you know, any news that you'd like to share that we haven't touched on? No, I think, you know, I think we touched a lot of those. As I said, I think the big news we have is, you know, this is really this week, you know, exactly that we're kind of launching the, the press bar. So I think this is exactly timely on that end. Um, but, I, you know, I think we constantly have um, new products and, and new initiatives coming out. And, you know, we, we make sure to, to share them with, with folks like you in the, in the broader industry. And I think, you know, the, the one last thing I would say, you know, to, you know, once you put this out and folks listen to this is that, you know, we're big believers in partnership. And I think, you know, encourage folks to reach out to us. I think we, you know, we are happy to have, if it's startups or, or interesting collaboration approaches, you know, just ping us, um, you know, my email, I'm more than happy mm -hmm. to share it. It's gil.horsky at mdlz.com, but also through LinkedIn or, you know, other ways we, we're very, we see that as part of our role as well to be out there and to kind of, you know, talk with people and um, share and learn. And we do a lot of those. Um, so we really make every effort to answer everybody that reaches out to us, even if it's not relevant, we, we make sure to, to, to tell that, but, um, but many times you would be amazed how many called reach outs end up uh, being uh, something very interesting that uh, becomes fruitful for both sides. So very happy to collaborate. And then of course, the same with my colleagues, we, by the way, have also the snap futures website that yes. people can submit, um, you know, their ideas or suggestions for collaboration. And that's, um, you know, that's, um, that's a website that actually, you know, we actually go and we, it's, it's snackfutures.com. Mm -hmm. And it's basically our open innovation portal, but um, actually entrepreneurs or startups can actually submit uh, different ideas. They want to collaborate with us and we do review these and we do get back to people. So, um, so, you know, you know, we do take that very seriously. Yep. And obviously, as you said before, it has the streams that you are interested in solving, correct? Yeah, exactly. Do you want to exactly, yeah. tell us a few of those? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, those those would be more on the R&D side. Okay. So basically on the R&D side, um, you know, so as I mentioned before, I think we, we basically separated to, you know, we have things that we put out there that we're basically kind of looking for partnerships. And sometimes mm -hmm. we have things that are specific, you know, for example, as I mentioned before, let's say when we did the, the Dirt Kitchen launch and we were looking to partner with somebody that can help us access and prove to us that what we access and source is actually, um, you know, produce that would have gone to waste. So we, it was a dedicated search. But mm -hmm. um, on, the, on our platform that, is, um, that you can see online, um, we're looking for, for different technologies around natural sweeteners, uh, well-being enablers. Um, there's actually around sustainable packaging and each of them would have much more detail, um, antiviral, technology for packaging. Um, we have also actually a strong interest in, which you heard me talk about before, in, in re real fruit and vegetable ingredients that we can use in different, in different applications. We're very interested in that space. Um, and then some more specific, more technical things such nice. as, um, you know, kind of new technologies for data processing and recording sure. transmissions and, and things like that. So these would all be online and, and people can, can reach out. And we do update them as well. So they do change. <laughs> Perfect. Gil, my friend, it's been a pleasure. 
share an amazing talking with you and also congrats on the new um, platform. I think it's amazing that, um, you know, you created um, Edible Planet. I think it's, um, I think it's another, you know, as we spoke about before, spoke about before ecosystem of partners and bringing different yeah. players together. You know, that's definitely your core superhero power. <laughs> um, so I think that's amazing that we have uh, people like yourself and others doing these things. That's exactly what we need. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Great. Take care. Want to deep dive into food innovation? Subscribe to the Food Tech Junkie series. Tune in and listen to the industry's champion whose mission is to reinvent our future by collaborating and disrupting the status quo as a way to rebalance our planet and our daily lives. For more great content, visit our website at www.ediblepanetventures.com and follow us on social media on the Edible Planet Ventures channels.